Hey, this is former WWE superstar and ECW original, The Blue Meanie. And you're listening to me on BBGWrestling.com. So this week with me on Turntruckle, I have one of the most legendary fans of all time. He is Bullcut Fan, a.k.a. Charles. How are you doing? I'm doing good, sir. They've been calling me the Rage Face Bullcut Kid. <laughs> See, I wasn't sure what to uh, what to call. I always called you Overly Enthusiastic Fan. Um, but uh, yeah. That was- that works too. Uh, the the jerks that I've come across on social media have made reference to my weight, and I'm like, you know what? Ah. Leave the weight alone. I'm the rage face bowl cut kid. <laughs> well, um, when okay, let's let's get into this like immediately. Um, obviously, I mean, you were a massive camera hog, you know, <laughs> like any show that you were. I was a camera. I was a camera hog. I wanted to get actually in the ring. So anytime you'd see me. I was probably just running into the ring because I wanted to get and be uh, get inside and be a part of the action. <laughs> so I mean, but back then though, before social media, I guess did you want to be known as a well-known fan, or you know, did, were you trying to develop a character or anything like that, or was it just you wanted to I be wasn't trying, for these shows? I wasn't trying to. I wasn't. Try- yeah, I wasn't trying to develop a character at all. Other fans would run to the camera or, or would run to the gate um, at the conclusion of a match because you wanted to be able to high five the wrestlers as they were getting in and out of the ring. Yeah, and I was just like that person, you know. I wanted to be like everyone else, running to the gate and uh, you know going to a show, WrestleMania twelve. Um, I'm there with my dad. He's like, you got to get on camera, uh, run, run, run up there. See if you see if you can get on camera. And so anytime we'd go to a show uh, after that, I, I would make it a point to get on camera. And and, uh, and for me, it was fun. It wasn't about, you know, being a camera hog. It wasn't trying to trying to trying to get uh, noticed. It was kind of cool that I'd, I'd go back to school and, and some of my friends would be like, saw you on TV. And but uh, other than that, it wasn't to, to necessarily be a, a camera hog. It was just about having fun. Well, I guess it was a different way of um, maybe thinking about it back then as well, because everyone because of social media, YouTube, etc., can have their 15 minutes of fame now anyway. So I love that it wasn't with the intent to necessarily be famous. It was it was kind of a novelty to be seen on Not camera and have your friends, like, say, see you at school and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what it was. It wasn't to be a celebrity. It wasn't to be a novelty. I mean, uh, you know, to let you know, uh, when this all came up this year, I didn't even know people were looking for me. I didn't know <laughs> that there was a I didn't know there was a YouTube channel. I didn't know there were Reddit posts that were out there. I didn't know people were on social media talking about me and having my picture uh, up there looking for me. Um, you know, I had seen some memes on Facebook with my face of that enthusiastic fan, and I thought it was fun. And my brother would see it. My friends would see it. Uh, mm-hmm. To this day, they'd text it to me. They'd be like, wow, they're using your uh, face for uh, for these memes. And so we just thought it was fun. And, and people were like, oh, man, they really love you on the Internet. They keep using your, your face from your childhood. And so I just have really, it's really touched my heart that this has come up 
uh, with social media and with people looking for me and, and of course, uh, the loyalty of the fan base and the, the community uh, of uh, wrestling fans um, and the enthusiasm and just uh, to be able to have in, to be able to enjoy wrestling fandom to this day and to now be able to enjoy it as part of a larger community. I've been slow to Instagram. I've been slow to Twitter. Um, and so when this came up with classic 90s wrestling on Instagram, uh, it was just something that uh, I reached out and, uh, and it was surprised that they devoted a post to me. And uh, I said, that's me. And uh, classic 90s wrestling couldn't believe it. Um, they were like, no way. And we connected, and ever since then, I had people from Instagram and also from Twitter messaging me, following me, wanting to connect with me. You're a legend. You were part of my childhood, and it really surprised me how much uh, I touch people's hearts. And uh, and and it's amazing. I touch them going to those shows in the in the 90s. I'm still a fan. I still go to shows. It hasn't been, of course, at the same paces in my youth, in my teenage years. Um, I touched them in my in, in, in my childhood, and now the wrestling community is touching me because they're allowing me um, to really uh, accelerate my excitement for being a fan and an opportunity to be on uh, uh, social media and to connect with other wrestling fans and to be able to do podcasts such as yours. This has been a blessing. Um, it's been an opportunity uh, to not only say thank you to wrestling fans for for caring that much. I mean, people have been on there just saying, "Hey, glad you're well, glad you're still doing um, okay." Um, but it's an opportunity for me to thank my family and to thank my father. My father uh, gave me uh, this opportunity. We were wrestling fans growing up. My brother is the one that uh, let me uh, just because of him watching wrestling. I started watching it, and I've been enjoying it with my I've been enjoying it with my father. And so it's an opportunity to thank him for all for those opportunities of going to shows. And now today I go to shows. I, I went to WrestleMania uh, last year in New Orleans. I'm about ready to book my trip to New York for WrestleMania this year. I know it's uh, people are like, why'd you wait so so much to the very end? And you know, I just waited to the end. But I'm just looking forward to WrestleMania. I'm looking forward to being a part of the excitement and connecting with other wrestling fans. And that's what it's about. It's not about for me. And I'm telling you this from the bottom of my heart. Um, the fact that you're in the United Kingdom chuckle and you had an interest in me to bring me onto your show um and we are thousands of miles apart um this is an experience and a memory that i'm going to have for the rest of my life it's allowing me to continue on uh the fandom it's allowing me to continue on with those memories it's allowing me to continue on with uh the enjoyment of being a fan of professional wrestling and i'm telling you this from the bottom of my heart um i have no interest in celebrity uh, I'm not, it's not about being a camera hog. For me, this is about the love of professional wrestling, and it's, uh, it's also an opportunity to, to thank my my father and now my brother, who's been joining me at shows uh, for uh, for just the enjoyment of, of what this is and what I believe it to be, which is escapism. You know, it really is escapism. It's fantasy. If you like wrestling, you tend to like, uh, and as I do, comic books and science fiction and horror movies and everything else. This is about getting out of our mundane day-to-day, nine-to-five, and it's about being able to live our dream. Um, when I was a kid, you know, my fa- my brother would put a star on my belly and give me a wrestling name, King Tukumsah, and we'd have wrestling matches in the house, and we'd have wrestling matches in the backyard, and he'd give me figure four leg locks in the closet. 
And so, you know, it's escapism. And for, you know, anyone, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who doesn't identify with wanting to be a wrestler or a manager or a ring announcer. We all have, have our dream jobs to this day in the professional wrestling world. Um, it's, this is an opportunity for us to be able to continue uh, that dream. Well, that's I, I love that the enthusiasm is still there as well. Um, you know, it really comes across and it's really genuine, um, I would say. But well, And I want to get into all of the old stuff and get into your history and everything as a fan. But two questions first. Like, um, so and I know that you say that you weren't aware that there were people trying to find you and all that kind of thing. But I guess you were aware of kind of those fans who had developed a reputation like... Um, oh, um, sorry phone uh, we'll leave that in um like fans like uh, vladimir and hat guy and faith no more guy and stuff like that so did you so you weren't aware at all that you had there was some kind of curiosity about who you were oh i am telling you right now i was not i knew vladimir i've met vladimir i've met uh so many other wrestling fans that have gone to a lot of shows uh who um we all know um and uh and and they're all nice they're all passionate um it, it caught me by surprise when uh january of this year uh complete uh classic 90s wrestling had that instagram post and uh and which led me to look at the youtube and the reddit uh, uh articles that had been written and i was surprised i didn't know about the the youtube and and so it's just been it, it was a it was a surprise but it was a welcoming surprise it warmed my heart i mean it warmed my heart like this whole thing has been really cool so it, well so turn, turn, turn chuckle before we go more into the interview i want to thank you for even inviting me on i mean the fact that you were interested to bring me on your show and uh the fact that uh, you and i made a connection and uh and that there's others out there uh, who are excited about connecting with me to hear my stories and to share uh, in the to the uh the fandom in its current day is uh, is a blessing and it's awesome and I absolutely love it. That's awesome. Well, it, it's kind of a weird thing. Is I don't know if you've thought about this, but because people haven't seen you for so long, you were almost frozen in time, I guess. So, like, were people disappointed that you still didn't have the bowl cut hair? And <laughs> I, there's some, there's some people that were a little disappointed. They were hoping I still had the bowl cut, but you know, you have to be you, right? In life, you can't be somebody you're not. Uh, you got to be you, and and so I'm not uh, gonna lie. I have contemplated growing out the bowl cut again mm-hmm. and going to shows, and I'm like, wow, this if uh, if, um, if for you know all for the sake of fun, you yeah. know, and I have I have contemplating that. And so, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's absolutely fun. So, so I, I, I do it just so you know, turn juckle. I, I blame it on Brutus, the barber beefcake. Cause there was a photo last year in new Orleans of uh, me and Brutus's chair with the Clippers. And so, uh, uh, on a Reddit post, somebody had said that my last sighting was last year at WrestleCon in new Orleans. And, uh, and I, and, and, and so because they knew that I took this picture of Brutus, the barber beefcake, I, I tell folks, I'm going to grow the bowl cut again, but it's gone because Brutus didn't like it anymore. <laughs> well, I was going to say, how long did you keep it for? Um, what was your last sort of appearance, I guess, on screen around WrestleMania 12 or, um, so my last, my, so my last, uh, appearance on screen, uh, that I am aware of is actually Super Brawl 97 front row February in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I was front row. The luchadors were fighting. X-Pac was fighting for the cruiserweight title. Obviously, the main event was the Macho. I'm sorry, uh, was Roddy Piper and uh, and Hollywood Hogan, and that was obviously the night that uh, Roddy uh, Macho Man turned on. 
uh, Roddy Piper and also the night that uh, Scott Steiner turned on his brother, uh, Rick Steiner. That was the last uh, night that I'm aware of where uh, I was on TV for a wrestling show. So what happened at that point? Uh, did you... Was there a period where you kind of maybe fell out of love with it? Because we kind of, when you're a fan for a long time, there's always going to be dips where, you know, you're not as interested and then a time where you get back into it sort of thing. So what happened? I was asked- I was asked that question before, and there had never really been a year where I didn't care who the top champion was. Clearly, there had been years where I may not have followed the storylines um, as extensively or some of the newer talent, if they're around. Uh, I may not be super familiar with the storyline. But to really answer your question, it was, you know, 97. Uh, my dad was starting to uh, to uh, to uh, get sick. And I was starting to focus more and more on school. So while I stayed a fan, I just didn't have to go to the live shows. I was able to enjoy wrestling from my living room or get together with my friends from school and be able to go to and watch uh, shows uh, together. Uh, It didn't have to be live. It didn't have to be uh, on TV. And so for me, it wasn't about continuing on you know with with it i mean i'm I'm blessed that i was able to go to as many shows as i did and to be able to get as uh many good seats as i did and good opportunities because of uh, my father and i'm a fan to this day last year i went to new orleans for wrestlemania i don't have to have the front row seat i don't have to be the camera hog um wrestlemania is in new york this year i'm probably gonna have the cheapest ticket because i just enjoy wrestlecon and i enjoy being there in the stadium with everyone else people are telling me i should try to spend the money and get front row and grow back the bowl cut and there may be a time when i grow back the bowl cut and there may be a time when i'm able to get really cool seats Mm -hmm. but i mean as i've gotten older and as i've gotten more humble um i just don't need to be front row and i don't need to be on uh, the camera hog i mean there's uh, so many uh uh, other awesome uh you know just you don't that that, that's pretty much it so yeah yeah um so was it mainly uh west coast shows that you went to and was, yeah, mainly, and was it just pay-per-views as well, or was it the, were the house shows and anything that would come to the area? So it was mainly – it wasn't just pay-per-views. Uh, it, most of it was on the West Coast, and uh, the, we did travel in 96 extensively um, because I was so caught up in wrestling and because I was living and breathing wrestling and because I was watching every single show that was on TV, WWF. WCW, ECW. Mm-hmm. And when I wasn't watching wrestling, I was King Tucumson in the living room with the star that my brother draw on my belly. Uh, and I'd have these, and I'd have these fantasy matches where I was wrestling like a fantasy opponents in the, in the, in the living room. And I was, uh, so in escape and I had the action figures and, and so, you know, we started going to shows and, uh, we had been going to house shows, uh, at the Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim, my father and I, uh, and it was only natural that we would go to WrestleMania 12 because it was in Anaheim. It was, uh, it was, it was something we had planned on because we had already been going to house shows. Uh, we had been going to house shows also in Las Vegas. And so, uh, a lot of it was on the West coast. Uh, it started uh, with the Royal Rumble. That was the first televised uh, wrestling show I had gone to, 1996, Fresno. I'm yeah. there with my father. I'm there with my father, front row. Uh, why we decided on going to Fresno was because it was still relatively close to home. We had already planned on going to WrestleMania 12, so I thought it'd be cool to see the Rumble live and to see who wins it and who's going to go on to face the WWF champion at WrestleMania 12. And then WrestleMania 12 takes place uh, in Anaheim. 
Um, but you know, we had been we had gone in Monday Nitro in Las Vegas. We had gone to the Clash of Champions in Las Vegas. We met so many fantastic, uh, uh, so many awesome wrestlers, so many cool opportunities. Um, and then we, we trekked out in June of 96. We went to Wisconsin for the King of the Ring. That was the birth of Austin 316. Mm-hmm. Saw that live. Uh, very fortunate uh, opportunity. I was front row for that show. SummerSlam, Cleveland, August. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Vader. Uh, November that year, Survivor Series, Madison Square Garden. We trekked uh, to the East Coast. And so, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate for the opportunity. I, I don't, you know, again, I don't know if I had to do it over again, would I put my father through all that, uh, you, know, you know, it was a, it was a bonding, it was a bonding and I was, uh, definitely more spoiled in my youth. And, uh, as I've gotten older, I don't need to be front row. I don't need to be on TV. I'm still a fam. But you, I, so I'm guessing you have all the chairs from those events. I, absolutely. <laughs> that's incredible. Absolutely. That's the thing. My, um, I guess because I, I watched um, and I love the Attitude Era, but I kind of um, sort of because of things like eBay and because of the internet generally and stuff like that, my collection kind of stops specifically at WrestleMania 14 because that's kind of a watershed moment for me. Um, so I kind of thought, right, pay per view chairs. If I'm going to start collecting these chairs, which is just an absolute nightmare of a task to try and do uh between wrestlemania 10 and wrestlemania 14 there are 20 different pay-per-view chairs um because wrestlemania 10 was the first event with the uh with the chairs so i have two so i have 18 to go i don't know where i would put 18 pay-per-view chairs i do uh, british houses aren't that big <laughs> so i don't really have enough room for 18 uh, pay-per-view chairs but um the um see my if if I had a period it would be probably ninety two to about WrestleMania fourteen because when um it, like I got into WWF uh, specifically Christmas ninety two because WWF had sold out Wembley Stadium and then because of that lots of different advertising and sponsorships and all that kind of thing jumped on the WWF so there was the WrestleMania album there was tons of merchandise and it was just as big over here in 92 as it ever was during the attitude era or anything like that um you know randy like wrestlers would show up on tv all the time and stuff like that so what it was kind of hard not to get sucked in so that's why you know i'm maybe in the minority but i love 1993 and uh wrestlemania 9 is one of my favorite events but if i tell people that they kind of uh, look at me with a side kind of a sideways uh sort of glance sort of thing but uh did you get out to wrestlemania 9 or no, I didn't go to WrestleMania 9. I watched that one at home. I didn't go to WrestleMania 10 in New York. I watched that at home. I didn't go to WrestleMania 11 in Connecticut the night for LT and Bam Bam Bigelow. I watched that at home. You know, my dad during those years and I had been going to house shows in Anaheim and in Las Vegas. We had been going to not just the WWE, but smaller promotions as well. Yeah. Most people haven't heard of the National Wrestling Council, NWC. They used to fight at the Silver Nugget in Las Vegas, but they had Rob Van Dam. They oh, had wow. Sabu. They had Cactus Jack. Uh, Ultimate Warrior showed up, uh, made his return in uh, WrestleMania 12 against uh, Triple H, Hunter Hearst, Helmsley. A year prior, he had actually made his return to professional wrestling after his hiatus at the house show in Las Vegas for the National Wrestling Council, where he fought the Honky Tonk Man. And I'm one of wow, okay, I'm one of 1,100 people to have seen that fight in uh, that wrestling match in 1995. And so. We'd been going to WCW. They had shows at the Thomas and Mac. So those earlier WrestleManias, uh, hadn't gone to them. 
Um, uh, but like you, I love WrestleMania 9. I ate up the toga pony. When I first saw Mocking Randy Savage getting uh, uh, carried out and being fed grapes, I thought that whole toga-themed WrestleMania was awesome. And, you know, when you watch that in your youth, uh, for me anyways, I ate it up. And then, we, you know, it's like we get older. And, like, people talk smack about it. Oh, all these DQ finishes and how uh, they would have booked it differently. And I think that's natural for fans to do. I definitely do the same thing. It's like today we're talking about how awful WrestleMania 9 is, but we certainly didn't think that when it was on live and we were watching it uh, when we were kids. And I'm thinking because as the product has evolved, you know, it is – so much bigger and there's so much variety there's so much more variety of talent now that one one needs to do more than ever before to really stand out with the deep roster and the limited tv time and the different styles of professional wrestling that are being brought it's not as simple anymore the other styles of wrestling had been there but now it's becoming more mainstream because of social media because of tv because of the rabid fan base that professional wrestling has Mm -hmm. and so wrestlemania 9 uh you know simple storylines yeah dq finishes i'm not a big fan of it but i'm not going to say that i didn't like wrestlemania 9 um you know i there were some other wrestlemanias that left me, I think, a little bit more disappointed than WrestleMania 9. People talk smack about Hulk Hogan, but, you know, I was disappointed with uh, the, uh, you know, uh, Roman Reigns winning the triple, uh, the beating Triple H for the title mm-hmm. uh, more recently. With that ending than I am with Hulk Hogan, uh, pinning Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 9. Oh, okay. and it's not because I'm, and it's not, and it's not because I'm not a Roman Reigns fan. Yeah. I just didn't feel that storyline. It didn't make a connection for me from when Triple H won the Rumble to when Ro- Roman Reigns uh, came back and, and beat uh, Triple H at WrestleMania. I, I think I, I'm, I will bore people to death with WrestleMania night, but like I want to sort of talk about it a little bit more as well. But the, the whole, for me, I, I think, and I, I, it's easy just to be like, oh, the internet's ruined everything and stuff. But I think now that we have the foresight a lot more, we know where th- if they're planning a match for WrestleMania, we can see it now at Survivor Season when we're like, oh, that's going to lead to WrestleMania. WrestleMania 14, The Undertaker and Kane, one of the best-built storylines of all time. It didn't even occur to me that they were going to fight at WrestleMania. I just thought, oh, this is just this storyline that's, you know, happening sort of thing. And it seems like main events are so quickly manufactured now where you know they've got to put this person in place to win the Rumble and then this person in place to have the title and then they can kind of rush it almost you know to a point from there if you get what i mean but but the with you know royal rumble 93 i love royal rumble 93 but it kind of changed booking in general because with the winner getting the title shot it kind of didn't allow for year-long feuds to be the main event of WrestleMania at that point because it was whoever won the title, so they really had to change uh, the f- like the booking philosophy. But WrestleMania Nine, in the context of the entire year until WrestleMania Ten, it works perfectly because Brett lost the title, and then it was a year long fight to win the title back. And Brett winning the title at WrestleMania Ten is my favorite title change of all time. Um, and I love that Luger gets screwed out of his match with Yoko and you know I, I love the bullshit chance because the crowd aren't happy because people wanted to see Luger against Brett I mean people say Luger wasn't over but you know people wanted Luger against Brett uh, but I think it was just more satisfying that Brett got his comeuppance against Yoko Zina and with WrestleMania 9 Hogan I mean it, like people say that Hogan wasn't over by Mania 9 but 
the the Las Vegas crowd, it was a lot of tourists as well who may not even know a lot about wrestling, but they know Hulk Hogan and they know that he's the big hero and everything. Because if you notice when Giant Gonzalez was ragging The Undertaker and all that kind of thing, everyone chanted for Hogan to come out because that's what they knew. So when he won the title, like, I love that it was a DQ finish for the, the tag title match because it takes you along the ride to get to the happy ending sort of thing. And, you know, mm. um, the, I mean, you know, in Hogan's reign, okay, that wasn't really much to speak about, but then, you know, when Yoko destroyed him at King of the Ring, I think it just made Yokozuna far more credible because he did lose by a fluke at WrestleMania as he should, he shouldn't get beat really cleanly. And then when he won it again, he just, you know, um, for me, became one of the most dominating champions that I know because he was the first heel champion that I was aware of as a fan, as Bret Hart was the first face champion. So he was my first favorite wrestler. And they did such a good job of building Yoko as just this monster threat that I was legit worried for Bret Hart at WrestleMania 9. Mm. And it, was, mm-hmm. it and that's, I still love it now. Like it just that year of Royal Rumble '93 all the way through to WrestleMania 10 is probably my favorite year in terms of building everything up. The Lex Luger's rise, and I, I've always said as well, there's something like beautiful but bittersweet that Luger never ever wins the title. Like I love that there's a runner-up. Like like sort of there has to be someone who can't win it. But now, the, my thing is now everyone has the title and it kind of, where do you go from there? When, you know, Bray Wyatt's won the title, The Miz has won the title and uh, you know, now they're opening, you know, pre-show matches because where can you go with them once, you know? Um, it, the slow build was is what I miss, but I guess, like, so you can't really do it now because um, there's so much TV time and so many wrestlers that they have to showcase and everything. But uh, but you know what it's like, you know, we'd watch superstars week by week and one week there'd be a Bret Hart interview the next week there'd be an Owen Hart interview one week one would go on guest commentary that would build up this entire match and they didn't even have to make contact and you know I just again the slow build of it and the fact that everything was emphasized as being important whether it was an interview or whether it was someone walking to the ring to maybe trip a leg or something like that it was seen as a really important thing and now it's you know it's the Jim Cornette thing of you know you could chop someone's arm off now and people would be waiting for the leg to get chopped off as well because you know like they've seen everything right. now but but yeah sorry I'm just on my soapbox here but um that's why I love no that, keep, going, yeah. keep going on soapboxes I love soapboxes you know you bring <laughs> up a really good point you bring up a really good point because I was talking to somebody about how I felt like there were no storylines in the WWE anymore, and they corrected me and said, "No, there are storylines." And so I and I and I and I corrected myself. You're absolutely right. So I think what I was feeling and am feeling uh, at times is exactly what you just said. It's the pace of the storyline, the character development. Like if you are following the Avengers storyline with what's hitting the movie theaters, they've built the uh, Thanos up to be this monster villain with one movie and they end it with Thanos uh, prevailing over the Avengers. And now they're going to have a movie about Captain Marvel to introduce her to the universe. And then you're, uh, we're all going to wait for Captain Marvel to then get revenge on Thanos. And I miss that with wrestling. And, you know, I'm sure there's a number of reasons as to um, why 
that is. I mean, the fact that they have monthly pay-per-views, they are forced now to put on quality matches every single month. And then you had the Monday Night War. I mean, think about what we've uh, encountered since 1993 and 1994 and the breadth of the storyline that I absolutely love with Brett and Owen. The storyline that I absolutely loved was uh, Owen obviously turning on his brother and making Owen a heel. Um, Greatest heel turn of all time for me. the king of hearts i mean yeah um absolutely awesome and so uh you know but but what what have we in, encountered since that period is the monday night war the the pressure to put on quality matches every single monday night um the monthly pay-per-views the pressure to put on quality matches at every single monthly pay-per-view so because they there is pressure to put on so many quality matches um which came about, in my opinion, because of monthly pay-per-views and the Monday Night War, you, you, you can only drag out a story so much and put on quality matches at the same time. Yeah. You know, you can only have so many matches where it's not the end, the end-all, be-all, but this is still a quality match, but we need to utilize this also as an opportunity to build to a uh, bigger storyline. So I'm absolutely with you. I'm, I'm hoping they can find that balance again. Uh, you know, as a wrestling fan, as a fantasy booker that I am, where I book my what I'd have WrestleMania be, I, I, I book what I'd have the Royal rumble b and i book you know who would i have win the royal rumble you know i know it's it's easy to be in my shoes and to do that so but to actually work for the wwe and to think about you know the pressures that they have the different things that they need to weigh out i went to new orleans last year for wrestlemania and i was bummed that braun roman's uh braun Strowman's uh tag team partner was a, was a 10 year old kid yeah. i was bummed i was i was walking to the stadium in new orleans with my brother and my friend and we were going over the names of who we were speculating bronze tag team partner could be do you know who, do you and, know who i think it was going to be I, I thought it was going to be hogan i really thought it was yeah. going to be hulk hogan there were some people that thought hogan there were some people that thought ray mysterio there were some people that thought it would be alexis bliss alexa bliss because of what <laughs> uh she and braun had been uh doing together with the mixed match challenge yeah you know, it was a 10-year-old kid. I was disappointed. Afterwards, uh, the following day at the airport, uh, I come across another gentleman who had also been to the show, and he told me in wrestling, there's things that make sense and there's things that make money. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And that was, about make, that was about making money. And so, you know, I wouldn't have booked it that way, but I'm also not uh, in a position where i got to take into consideration merchandise sales. You know, like a lot of who gets pushed uh, on TV. You know, I saw um, – uh, 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 another wrestling fan not too long ago and I was venting my frustration with the fact that there's a number of stars who I believe don't get utilized Rusev and Big E and now we're starting to see a push for Kofi Kingston and Cesaro uh, I don't think has been uh, utilized the best I certainly don't think Bray Wyatt um, has been utilized the best I wanted to see him to be a longer WWE champion than to be a bridge champion to yeah. put the belt on Randy Orton but they made him a bridge champion instead of a long reigning champion and uh and then the Wyatt family were so over but at the end of the day they got to take into consideration merchandise sales who's who's selling tvs uh who's selling tvs who's selling t-shirts yeah and if you're not selling t-shirts i mean they're gonna say to you look we're not gonna have you on tv as much you know but if you're selling t-shirts like crazy you know rest assured you're getting title shots you're getting main event shots so it, it does it's seem a to large, be, it, that's unfortunately a large part of it. It, it does seem to be a thing now where, I, and I want to uh, pick up on something that you said as well, but there's, um, it seems like WWE is listening to 
the fans on social media more than they have because the wrestlers now are taking it upon themselves to do their own thing. I mean, the, one of the earliest examples was the Zack Ryder YouTube show and all that kind of stuff. And then it got him over and then, you know, and now he's doing it with the wrestling figure podcast. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of doing that and developing these kind of underground followings. And then they take it into the arena. And I guess, you know, the right ears hear it. And then it all of a sudden they seem to, you know, I mean, I, I think the thing with Becky Lynch, I, I don't watch it nearly as much now, but it seems like she kind of was able to add another part to her character because she was tweeting these really, um, I guess, kind of, not offensive, but kind of like pushing the envelope kind of things and telling the truth about certain wrestlers and stuff. And the fans seem to really respect that. And then it seems like this is what they're kind of going with on TV now, which, uh, because they've listened to the fans' response and they probably look at retweets and YouTube video views and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I think people forget as well how smart WWE's marketing really is. I mean, you know, the Kofi got, uh, you know, from what I've seen, has been taken out of the uh, Fastlane match against Daniel Bryan, but that's to make the fans... What do you think that's about? Well, I think I, I just I can assume that oh I would assume that it's to get the fans so hopping mad that when Kofi eventually gets put in that WrestleMania match, they're going to be so happy that it has happened. So it's like when Daniel Bryan didn't come out at the Royal Rumble that year, you know, and then eventually right. it happened. But it, it, I think it got it brought out real emotion in the fans, and I think it's kind of a weird thing now where you have to break that fourth wall to be able to get real emotions out of the fans now, uh, where you have to not use someone and sort of uh, bury someone storyline-wise sort of thing and uh, add realism to it. But the only issue with that is if you break the fourth wall on everything, then no one's going to believe it because everything's had the fourth wall broken sort of thing. Um, you can only do worked shoots on a few things, I think, and it's kind of a hard line to, uh, you know, uh, to walk along sometimes because it, it's one of those things. That it's a, it's a cornet line as well. When you know, back in the day, everything was fake and everyone believed it was real, and now everything's real. Everyone thinks it's fake because you know, like um, if you over. That's a good point. Yeah, if you gim- if you gimmick everything, then there aren't any gimmicks, sort of thing. You know, that kind of thing. But with the Monday Night Wars. Um, when you said that it resulted in quality wrestling matches, I feel that it more resulted in sort of... I mean, there were more big stars against each other, but I think it resulted in shorter matches to hold the fans' attention a lot more. I, I, you know, I think the main events were there. Uh, in WWF, I'm talking about, because obviously WCW's undercard, arguably better with the cruiserweights and the more, you know, pure wrestlers sort of thing. Um, but I feel like it was more about, like, holding people's attention. I, I, like, I think, if anything, the the quality matches, the whole five-star thing is happening now. Like, it seems like only in the past few years where they've really sort of adopted that kind of indie Ring of Honor style of wrestling and put it on a mainstream stage sort of thing. But... My thing with turn that. Chuck, turn, Chuck, turn, Chuck, I say this out of respect, and I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, 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 go for and, it. 
and, and, and this isn't meant to be a debate, but if what you're saying is true that that main event style, Ring of Honor style that you believe Raw has been subscribing to has been there for the last three years, then why is it a good portion of last year's Monday nights felt like an extension of the main event? Where it felt like there were jobber matches and there wasn't really main event quality, and so no, I don't, I don't disabuse. Hmm? Well, I feel that you know it's certainly within NXT. But okay, look at like main events, like sort of like guys like Seth Rollins and Finn Balor and all that kind of stuff. They, you know, they come from that uh, background. You know, I, I'm not saying that everything is that kind of match because not everything can be. Because then, what is a five star match anymore? If everything's five stars. Everyone, it's going to hit a plateau and people are going to get bored of it. You know, I think there the maybe is a bit of a, too much of an emphasis now on every match having, like a lot of matches having to have this kind of five star, whatever that means, technical quality to it. And there's only so, like, I look, I went to a, I went to a TV taping. It wasn't a WWE taping, but it was like a five hour long show and every match was this technical masterpiece. But when everything's like that, what promotion? Um, it was uh, it was Defiant, um, okay. which is a company local, but they they bring in big names and everything. It just seems like there has to be the squash matches now, and there has to be character development. And Raw, to a point, has a balance, I think. Um, but I think, but they, I would say I think they have adopted that sort of Ring of Honor style in the main events and even lower down as well because just look at the kind of moves that they do and the type of wrestling that they do they may be shorter matches but you know but they also are able to build up characters like Braun Strowman I think Braun Strowman until he turned face and teamed up with the child was one of the best built up wrestlers of the past five or six years because it was a slow build and um, they knew what they were doing sort of thing but I feel like Am I just? I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. They haven't uh, closed that loop though on the Wyatt family story because he showed up as a member of the Wyatt family, and I'd be curious to know if they're ever going to revisit that again. I think they will. I think they will. But am I just digging a hole now? I, I I feel like I don't watch enough new wrestling to know what I'm talking about with regards to like sort of like you know indie style yeah. or Ring of Honor style. Or and just- and to let you know, and to let you know, there's a local show that I see uh, from to where I live here uh, in California. It's PCW Pacific Coast Wrestling. Wrestling, and they're going to be having a Russell Summit on Friday night, March the 29th, and they're going to be inviting promotions. They they have invited promotions from across the world, and one of those promotions is Defiant. So I'll show oh. you, I'll, I'll share with you the the uh, poster and the card uh, on social media about that upcoming show. Since that's, you brought up Defiant, that's really good. Well, instead of me digging a hole, let me ask you a question then. Um, do you feel that um, for something to be considered a good match now? that it has to have that sort of, um, you know, Osprey, Ricochet, that kind of thing, you know, to be considered a good match. Like, back in the day, a good match was strong characters against each other. It didn't matter what they did in the ring, as long as they took you on that ride. You know, Yokozuna, Andre the Giant never took a bump, you know, and, uh, you know, he could have you screaming or cheering or booing, and no one could say the Hogan-Andre match at WrestleMania 3 was a bad match in terms of entertainment quality. Do you think it's more, It's there's too much emphasis on the quality of the moves now in what determines a good match? 
I think there's balance. Okay. I think it all comes down to what one's preference is. There is a wrestling fan that cares more about the types of moves that are being performed. And then there's another type of fan who doesn't care so many, so much about the variety of moves that are being performed. They care more about the personality, the storyline, the character development. And I uh, identify as being a fan of the latter. Um, one of the first house shows I ever went to um, – very first style shows. I'm going to say late eighties, uh, Anaheim, California at the Anaheim convention center. It was my brother, my dad, and I, the main event was rowdy, Roddy Piper versus ravishing Rick rude. Uh, and they started off for 10 minutes or more, just trashing each other, uh, in the ring. Didn't lay a finger on each other. Mm. Ravishing Rick kept doing poses and getting heat from the audience. And uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, kept shaking his head and uh, like he was just getting pissed off. He, uh, you know how Rowdy <laughs> Roddy Piper, <laughs> just the more he talked and the longer it'd go, he'd get more ra- ramped up with his head. And so and the fans were into every minute of that and they didn't lay a finger on themselves. Yeah. And I identify as a fan of the latter. There have uh, wrestling has no doubt about it has evolved a large part um, because of the roster and how diverse wrestling is and how deep the rosters become and how diverse the roster is uh, and how mainstream a lot of this, these different styles of wrestling have become, mm-hmm. uh, you know, CM Punk and the go to sleep. I mean, where he hoisted somebody off their back and then his foot would hit the person inside of their cranium. And if they were to do that to anyone else, they'd have a concussion. But in the world of wrestling, he does that and, and the guy gets, you know, back up more. Momentarily, So I, I have definitely seen, and uh, this is just my opinion, and I love CM Punk and wrestlers like him that do moves like him uh, in addition to having their own style. Um, some of these – some of those more outlandish, unrealistic wrestling moves um, to me is uh, – you know, I mean wrestling, we're fans. We know it's for entertainment. But I feel like some of it can be overdone. So to answer your question about uh, the, the different styles, uh, I think it comes down to the preference of the fan. I identify as the latter. I care a lot about story development. I care a lot about uh, character development. Uh, I definitely want to see a good match. Yeah. Um, you know, but you see some of these folks and, you know, the occasional moons, uh, the occasional the occasional flipping power bomb. When you see that on occasion and it comes out of nowhere, um, absolutely. It makes you your jaw drop to your floor. But if you're seeing that continuously, I think it's going to lose. I think it's going to lose how special it is when we do so. Well, I, th- I think it, it it's getting harder now to necessarily. And I, I, I think this about WrestleMania as well, like generally now that it's hard to book it to a point where you can have crescendos because you're starting off with a world title match sometimes now and you know the the show's legit six hours long and just i think it's they're making it harder on themselves to keep the fans interested throughout the the length of a show now because you know i I didn't mind on pay-per-views back then when there were undercard matches that had no storylines or anything like that because they were your entree before the main course sort of thing. And, um, you know, you know, I think maybe that began with something like WrestleMania 17 or WrestleMania 18, where, you know, because of the Monday night war, they just had so many names now with, you know, who were former champions, etc., who were of a certain level. So it's kind of hard to really have an undercard now, um, because everyone's been in main events and, um, you know, and, and I don't want to sound like a WWF, like a, a, 
old school apologist sort of thing, you know, because I've seen some absolutely stinking MSG cards from like the 80s where they would open up with Brooklyn Brawler against Jim Powers and they would go for 20 minutes and it would be a draw and the you know the crowd would die and then the main event would be Akeem no, and I love Akeem but the main event would be like Akeem against you know Big John Studd or something like that and it's just like you know yikes you know <laughs> you know yeah but rest assured rest assured the, the crowd in madison square garden that watched that live were, were into it you know and I, and I think and i'm with you it's we're not sounding like old school apologists um you know it's a matter of preference it's mm-hmm. i think as wrestling has evolved it's it's harder for i'm not saying it still doesn't happen but i would imagine it's harder for stars to shine because there's more competition the roster's deeper they have more limited tv time so you're doing more to to capture the attention of the audience but, you know, wrestling, like Vince McMahon says, he's not in the wrestling business. He's in the entertainment business. And it's like uh, entertainment. It's like music or movies. I mean, you and I can watch a science fiction movie from the 80s and we'll look at the the, the graphics and we'll be like, that has got to be the cheesiest thing in the world. Why did, we, why, why did we watch that back in the 80s? Like anything else, it evolves. And yeah. wrestling has evolved. And uh, Vince McMahon has said that time and time again. They either evolve or they die. And so, you know, for me, it, it depends on the preference of the fan. I mean, clearly something happens. Happened because you, to your point you made earlier on about how wrestling, uh, the WWE is listening more to its fan base with social media. I think they're put in a position where they have to. I mean, to be close to WrestleMania season, which I think December is close to WrestleMania season, because as far as I'm concerned, it's like that's really like December. It's like, okay, now we're going to be gearing up because it's the Royal Rumble and then it's WrestleMania. This is it. It's go time. And when your ratings for Monday Night Raw are 1.9 or less, and they had to have that special Monday Night raw that special appearance by the mcmahon family to say to the fans that they're the authority and they need to listen to them they clearly got a wake-up call you can't have your ratings be you know 1.9 at the same time i would say though a 1.9 today isn't the same as a 1.9 in the 90s because there's so much more wrestling today and there's so much more with it being on the ww network and so accessible to our fingertips on the phone that it's also you know that's that's in play you know as well and so for me what hooked me into monday night raw and turn chuckle you might be um you might be uh what's your name by the way it's paul Paul, yeah, yeah. I've been calling you Turn. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping this is the start of a friendship. I'm hoping you'll have me on again down the road. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, well, the thing is, I think I think... sorry, but the point I wanted to make the, the point I wanted to make was, you know, I remember those nights when I'd watch Monday Night Raw, and I was so hooked. I didn't want to. I didn't want to turn the channel. And that's a large part is because of the Monday Night War. They put everything out there so that we as fans didn't turn the channel. Yeah. Um, even even though I had satellite, so I'd watch Monday Nitro Pacific Time at 6 p.m. And then after Monday Nitro, then I'd go watch Monday Night Raw. So it was technically never head-to-head for me because I'd have this three-hour difference because I had satellite TV. Uh, but all that to say this, Monday Night Raw, I was so hooked that I didn't want to – I didn't want to turn the channel, you know. I mean, there was a story in the beginning of the show, and they like Stone Cold would come out, or somebody would come out, you know. Uh, you know, Brian Pillman, he's looking for Austin. He's going to Austin's house, and he's got a gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. And you didn't want to like let it go. Like you wanted to see how this was going to play out. They started at the start of Raw, and there was some buildup, you know. The Rock uh, throwing the belt inside the lake, you know, and doing this monologue, and he's like, "Well, I'm gonna let you know, I'm out here. I'm by this lake." <laughs> cool stuff. I don't think we see as 
I don't think we see as much of anymore. They do this throughout the show to keep you hooked. Now I think matches are thrown together without much explanation or storyline. There may be some storylines. I don't think it's uh, got as much prep as, as what we used to see. I understand about the argument how the roster is so deep and there's only so much TV time, but I think there's a way to still have character development. There's still a way to push uh, for character development and storylines. I mean there's a lot of good wrestlers, good tag teams that are out there now. I feel like they need something a little bit more um, to get over some sort of charisma, something to just, you know, some personality to really you know, get the audience uh, fired up. Yeah. Other than that, I think that's where it's at. Well, I, and the thing is, like, I never wanted this podcast generally to be some sort of oh, anti this is everything that's wrong with WWE because I know there are a lot of podcasts out there like that and it is one of those things I I just don't watch it as much anymore and I'm I would never critique the talent of any of the wrestlers because it's not my place you know to you know um I, I'm 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 out of shape I can't do any of the shit that, you know, that they can do and you know I just listen I'm listen listen nobody knows about uh, going up and down with weight than, than myself <laughs> but I, I will I will say this it's not about critiquing the wrestlers and I don't think anybody would take it wrong what I've said and I never took your show or Aria for that matter uh, uh, from what I've been, uh, heard recently about anything that's so serious anti WWE you know it's like when you talk about AEW uh, for example this is another show they brought up AEW you know we want AEW to succeed it doesn't mean that we want the WWE to die you know the opinion that I had shared in a previous show was that I want there to be competition because I think when there's competition that's better for the fans and it's better for the roster Um, you know but it's no different when we critique or when we make comments or share opinions it's no different than somebody that's a passionate New England Patriots fan you can have the most Patriot New England Patriot fan and there are going to be people that are going to talk smack about the call about the coach they should have played this guy why didn't he he shouldn't have been on the bench in the fourth and we're in my opinion that's not talking smack about the Patriots or the NFL it's about a passionate fan that these are natural feelings one would feel when you do have that type of that level of passion and enthusiasm absolutely well what happened with me uh, around 2004 um, I was kind of drifting out of it a little bit at that point. Christian is my favorite wrestler, so even when I wasn't watching it much at all, I always followed everything Christian did in TNA and all through his last run and everything. And um, but in two thousand and four, there were certain there were little things that kind of made me not as passionate anymore. Like when they they start they had Raw magazine and WWF magazine or WWE magazine, but it changed to SmackDown magazine and then it was just about the wrestlers on SmackDown and the 2004 SmackDown roster had people like Kenzo Suzuki and Mordecai and I was just like I wasn't really at all I didn't want to read I didn't want to read articles on Mordecai you know and um and you know stuff and then they did stuff like the diva search on Raw and I was just like ah okay but at that time that's when they started acknowledging their past a lot more because they brought out the classic superstar action figures they started doing the old documentaries on DVD and stuff and then it was around that time when I really did almost regress as a wrestling fan into the past sort of thing and that's when ebay became a thing that ruined my life and you know um (laughs) you know and since then you know with the network with how much they embrace the legends brand now they know that they have a segment of fans who are maybe only into the older stuff now but i'm you know if i'm anything to go by they make money off 
us old, you know, schmucks who, you know, want uh, Razor Ramon toothpick holders and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> you know, they still bring that stuff out, and um, it, it's it's really is it not is it not is it not amazing that they had Razor Ramon and you had a family friendly family friendly WWE and you had a character named Razor Ramon and why was he Razor Ramon because he was based off that character in Scarface and you know you use razors for you know what so oh yeah I mean you know the 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 little pieces of edginess that they would introduce during that time with you know you know if you look at the diesel character and goldust and all that kind of stuff before the attitude era really kicked in and don't get me wrong again i loved the attitude era but it kind of seemed like um what's the word sort of um um controversy for the sake of it sort of thing to the point where nothing was really controversial anymore like terry runnels would have a miscarriage off the stage and no one really cared because you know the the next segment would be Big Boss Man being hung by his neck in the Hell in the Cell and stuff like that. Whereas sort of in ninety seven and ninety six, when the war, when the Monday Night War was going on, things were controversial, but within the context of wrestling, sort of thing. You know, like acknowledging the competition was like a huge thing. And you know, Raw magazine back in the day was like compulsive reading because they would talk about the competition and they would break kayfabe a, a little bit and all that kind of stuff and. As as a fan becoming a teenager at that point, it became mature as I became more mature, I would like to think. And it kind of really suited my age at that point. Um, you know, because I can imagine a lot of those who were big Hulkamania fans and stuff like that probably got out of it when Repo Man and, you know, Adam Bomb and all that kind of stuff came in when it maybe got a bit too ridiculous for them. Um, I, I don't think it became too ridiculous for me but i do think i was spoiled by the attitude era because they hot shot at everything and raw was you couldn't miss it and there were big cliffhangers at the end of the show and stuff like that and i think like a lot of people probably the invasion period was that time where you didn't have to watch it every week to you know uh see everything and you know they brought in a yeah, lot of names that you that, that, i'm not gonna lie that was that was the one period that i kind of I got so lost and I felt so overwhelmed. I didn't know what was going on. It's, yeah. They had the Money in Raw where it was Nitro is War. And <laughs> Nitro is – I'm sorry. Nitro is Raw. And it was Booker T versus Buff Bagwell. And there was just such an infusion. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people have opinions on that stage uh, of wrestling then and uh, how it should have been done differently. And uh, I know that it was, it was very overwhelming. So, I mean, the one – point that you know really stands out for me i never got the idea of stone cold steve austin aligning with the invaders because we all knew that he left wcw because wcw said he couldn't put an ass in a in a a chair it was just hogan piper and savage and that's when austin walked off and went to ecw and ultimately joined the wwe in 1996 as the ringmaster Mm. so i couldn't buy this idea of stone cold aligning with the invaders and the, the team ecw and wcw and so you know, but I definitely loved Chris Jericho becoming the new undisputed champion. You know, I know there have been a couple of folks that, you know, I say I say couple. I'm sure it's more than a couple uh, uh, who didn't feel like he should be the undisputed champion that night that he pinned uh, both Austin and The Rock. But I'm a big Chris Jericho fan. You said you're a big Christian fan. I'm a big Chris Jericho fan. And so I thought he was more deserving uh, of, you know, most most deserving to be the undisputed uh, champion. And then just to address a point you had raised earlier, Paul, about the 
bringing back and embracing the past in 2003, 2004. I didn't think about this until you brought it up, but I'm thinking maybe one could make an argument that they really started to embrace their past uh, in 2000. Uh, one with the gimmick battle royale yeah. in uh, in WrestleMania 17, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, basically, as soon as WCW, well, basically when they had no competition anymore, it felt. I guess there was a bit more freedom to acknowledge things that were maybe silly, you know, um, and presented in a fun way, or sometimes in a serious way as well, um, you know, with some of the legends that they brought. But, but they went through that period of, you know, I, looking back at it now, I mean, I didn't enjoy all of the invasion, but I, I, the thing that really annoyed me as a Christian fan was the Edge and Christian storyline was so hot, and then just because Christian was a heel, he then joined the Alliance, which just watered the entire thing down. And, um, you know, but I was... There was that thing when they did the Survivor Series when it was winner-take-all, and all the champions who won that night would be guaranteed a job. So, like, I was really kind of into it and hoping... It was Christian against Al Snow, and when Christian won, I was like, yes, he's safe, he has a job, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch Raw tomorrow night and Christian's going to be on it, which, you know, I was, uh, <laughs> I was still, you know... Uh, you know, a, a pure mark at that point, which, uh, which, but I was always a mark for Christian. I've got to say, like th that's the thing. I think it got over the years. I think it got to the points where I wasn't hoping someone would win. You know, I, I was just kind of watching it and floating along, sort of thing. Where, but I, I can tell you a couple of times when I jumped out of my seat was when Jerry Lawler faced the Miz in that TLC match when Lawler had his hand on the belt. I was. Honestly, you've never seen anyone want someone to win so much. It would have been ridiculous. But oh, when Flair faced Triple H on that Raw when in Charlotte, when Flair nearly won the title from Triple H and stuff like that. But um, again, that was because you know just old school, and I wanted you know. But the, what has kind of kept my attention is. You know, in 2002, they brought back Hogan, Nash Hall, which was great, but they brought back Mr. Perfect, they brought back Goldust, um, and then 2003, they brought back Piper, and, you know, then there was just kind of a steady influx of older names returning, right. but it, 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 there's an irony to it, because they always prided themselves on, you know, oh, we're not going to bring back these old farts like Hogan and stuff like that. And <laughs> that's... I, was just, uh, I was just saying that. You had WrestleMania 12, the, the pre-match before WrestleMania started was the Huckster versus the Nacho Man, you know, and how we're now the new generation and uh, the end of Wrestle, you know, the end of WrestleMania 10, Bret Hart, uh, comment, uh, Vince McMahon commentates as Bret Hart's hoisting the newly won WWE title on the corner of the ring. And Bret the Hitman Hart is catapulting us into the new generation. And so no, what we had been through in the 90s with that, uh, the story that was being told, and then to have them embrace the past, I definitely think uh, it was an irony. Yeah, it, was an, it, was, it was a cool irony. It was a necessary irony. Oh, absolutely. And, and the thing is, though, there was an irony even with WrestleMania 12. When you look at all the names on that show who had been around for at least 10 years at that point, you know, Ultimate Warrior was there, Jake the Snake was there, Roddy Piper was there, Bretton Michaels, and they weren't past the prime. That's the thing. Like, AJ Styles is, what, 43, 44 now? Like, that's no older than, like, Hogan was when he went to WCW. It's just such a weird... You know, uh, it's amazing how things change over the years. That 44 is not an old age anymore. And 44 was never an old age until the Monday Night Wars when they had to use it as a tool to be like, these guys are over the hill, even though they weren't. And they were only in the 40s at that point. But um, it's just, it, you know, the, 
the the back and forth, you know, the just absolute kind of, you know, um, we call it taking the piss in uh, in the UK, you know, where the, just the mockery back and forth of, uh, you know, you know, they're giving away the results on Nitro and all that kind of thing, and just, you know, it it is what made that time. It was cutthroat, and I, I very much liked it because it felt like almost like the. They were getting a mainstream audience, but it was almost like it it was just for the wrestling fans, the hardcore wrestling fans at that point, where they could be really insidery and stuff like that and uh, talk about things that not everyone would get. And, you know, um, it, it, you know it, I think it sucked everyone in. And again, though, for me, I think it spoiled me because you, when you've seen everything every single week, there's only so far uh-huh. you can go with it. You know, I understand why they got rid of things like the hardcore title because when you have a chair shot in the first match, you know, what what does it mean when you do one in the main event? And, you know, um, things were maybe taken a little too far in the attitude, like fully taking 15 chair shots to the head. You know, then if someone gets beat off one chair shot, that's just going to make them look like shit because fully was able to survive 15 chair shots and all that kind of thing. And, you know, so, um, but we could go on forever about that. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm with you. I could go on forever and join you on that. So it's no, no issues here, bro. <laughs> so yeah, we probably we have to do part two because this is just. I feel like we've barely even scratched the surface of uh, you know. And, I, and I'll be honest, I you know, as you can see, I'm a bit more old school. I'll show you this. People can't see this, but this is a Duke the Dumpster Drossy signed trash can. Love it. <laughs> I love I love Duke the Dumpster Drossy. I was a big Duke the Dumpster Dumpster Drossy fan, and I saw a picture of Duke the Dumpster. Drosy on the Pablo's Poppin podcast website, mm-hmm. uh, the link that you had sent me, and so I'm glad you brought him up because you know WrestleMania 12, I was giving him a heck uh, at the hotel because I thought Duke Dumpster Drosy should have been booked for WrestleMania 12, and I was bummed that he was left off the card. And the nickname he would have for me every time he saw me at the hotel that weekend of WrestleMania 12 was Booker. Hey Booker, <laughs> he'd be going up the escalator and he'd call me Booker because I was telling him how I wanted to book to have him have a match for WrestleMania. 12 i was a big uh duke the dumpster i love those hokey gimmicks i i i'm glad it's not all of what we see anymore we see you know none of it uh nowadays but back when i was a kid i loved those promos of duke the dumpster drossy taking off the trash (laughs) (laughs) and and he'd say this is my day job but where i'm really gonna prove myself is when i go into the world of professional wrestling (laughs) i love all the stuff but uh, tl hopper and abe knuckleball schwartz the baseball uh uh, face paint so uh big fan of all of it so listen Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm holding Knuckleball Schwartz. They made an action hey, bro, figure. Be, hey, bro, you might be making some money off me. I might be wanting to buy some of your collection, uh, <laughs> collectors items. Who knows? You got you got a lot of goodies there, Paul. I want to I want to let you know how much I appreciate you reaching out to me. I want you to know how much I enjoy being a part of your show. Um, this is a big thank you to the fans. It's a big thank you to my father for giving me those opportunities. Um, you know, I was able to bond with my father. I'm now able to bond with my mom and my brother. We go to shows. It's a f- still a family experience. I love it. Uh, I don't see anything ever happening where I don't, I'm not a fan anymore. 
Um, I love following professional wrestling. I may not be as zealous at times or following it as intently at times, Mm -hmm. but to have uh, social media and the connection with the wrestling family and fan base uh, to share in the fandom is really just an added, 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 uh, now, and now a big added plus of being a fan. Cause we didn't have this back in the nineties. No, you know, no. now you're able to share. Now you're able to somebody saying some, one of your Facebook, one of your friends from Instagram is going to go live and you can join their program and, and to talk about, uh, what you all think of SmackDown? We didn't have, we didn't have that in the nineties. And no, so man. it's really cool how we're being pulled together and we're connecting and we're talking about this. And so, uh, you may not see me at WrestleMania in New York. I don't have the best ticket. I won't have the best ticket, uh, but I'll be somewhere there in the stadium, uh, and I'm going to enjoy myself, and I'm going to go to WrestleCon, and I am going to take pictures, and I'm going to put it on my Instagram, and who knows, one day, if there's such a calling and such a demand, uh, I may be like the, the WWE uh, when they are now saying they're listening to their fans I'm gonna have to listen to the people that have been following me on Instagram. They're telling me to regrow the bowl, and I'll do. It. So, re-grow but I want you to know, Paul, from thousands of miles away here in the states to you in the United Kingdom, uh, I want you to know, much love for you. This means the world, and I'm hoping we stay in touch. And I'm hoping this is the start of a friendship. 